It's been a crazy week for Warner Brothers Discovery. I try my best to get to the bottom of what the hell's going on right now. Hello everybody, I'm Dan Merle here with an update, a history lesson, I don't know what you would call it, about what's been going on with Warner Brothers Discovery. If you haven't seen any of the news this week about DC and Batgirl and HBO Max and everything else, it has been one of the craziest weeks since the so-called streaming wars started, and it seems like every time there's a nutso streaming story, it always has to do with HBO Max. I feel a little bit like Professor McGonagall talking to Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Why is it when something happens, it is always you three? That clip, by the way, is from the Harry Potter franchise, which is intermittently available on HBO Max. So let's try to dig into what exactly has been going on. It's going to be a little bit of a history lesson as to how we got there. A lot about David Zaslav, which is a name that you may not have heard before this week, but who has been very intimately involved in everything that's been going on at Warner Brothers Discovery and with HBO Max. Why these moves have been made and what the future might look like for HBO, HBO Max, DC, Warner Brothers Discovery a lot of ground to cover. Let's start with David Zaslav, who is the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery. Before taking over the merged company, he was the CEO of Discovery for about 15 years, and when AT&T decided to spin Warner Media off into its own thing, he met with the head of AT&T and helped to engineer this entire merger into the new Warner Brothers Discovery. So he's the head honcho. The buck stops with David Zaslav, and he has been making some big power moves ever since the merger closed in April after being announced last June. And these last few months and all these different cuts that you've seen have really been the beginning of a very prolonged process to cut costs within the company. Part of that being the shelving of all of these projects that we're going to talk about. The Warner Media Discovery merger resulted in the departure of Jason Kalar, who was the CEO of Warner Media when it was part of AT&T. Jason Kalar very openly prioritized streaming at Warner Media. HBO Max was the number one priority for him as the CEO. He was the impetus behind what was called Project Popcorn, which was the decision to put all of Warner's 2021 movie releases day and date in theaters and on HBO Max. This was a very controversial thing. I talked about it when it happened. It alienated a lot of talent. And it's a business decision that David Zaslav openly disagreed with entirely. So it was pretty obvious very early on that Jason Kalar would not be staying on as the CEO of Warner Media or even with the company, which he isn't. Zaslav's strategy actually is in direct contradiction to what Jason Kalar wanted to do with Warner Brothers and Warner Media. He wanted to prioritize HBO Max. David Zaslav instead wants to emphasize streaming less when it comes to movies coming from Warner Brothers to put theatrical back in play and to make HBO Max a part of the puzzle, not the biggest piece. It's very interesting. We'll talk a little bit about Zaslav's background in a minute, but he was largely seen as one of the CEOs who was the last to embrace streaming. That's why Discovery streaming service Discovery Plus didn't debut until long after a lot of the other ones did because he has always been sort of wait and see with streaming. So while David Zosloff has been at the forefront at a lot of his previous companies as far as entering new media, streaming has never been something that he has openly embraced and that seems to be now corporate policy at Warner Brothers Discovery. Shortly after the merger was complete, Warner Brothers Discovery shut down the streaming service CNN Plus 
a month after it launched. And this was a massive change in direction. Tens of millions of dollars had been spent on CNN, plus a big splashy rollout. They'd hired journalists, they'd hired everything else. And literally one month after it began, after this merger closed, they cut the company off literally overnight and said, you are no longer a streaming service, goodbye. This was the first huge move in a series of huge moves. Shortly after that, the company halted development of all scripted shows on TBS and TNT, which are subsidiaries of Warner Media or now Warner Brothers Discovery. And that resulted in situations like season two of Nassim Pedrad's sitcom Chad being delayed just days before that second season premiere and then being canceled and shelved altogether literally on the day it was supposed to air. Imagine working on a project, working on a TV show that's already delayed, and then the day it's supposed to air, you get yanked from the airwaves. Now, unlike some of these other projects, Warner Brothers Discovery has said that they are going to try to find a new home for the show Chad and for Chad season two. But as of right now, it is a completed season of a TV show that has nowhere to be shown. Another show from Damon Wayans called Kill the Orange-Faced Bear was canceled a week before production was supposed to start, which means that the cast was there, the scripts had been written, the crew had been hired, the sets probably were built, literally cameras were gonna roll in set five to seven days, and they said, everybody go home. A reality show called The Big D was pulled weeks before its premiere after ad money had already been spent and a J.J. Abrams show that had been in development for years called Dimimond was pulled. Apparently the budget for the show was going to be around $200 million. It was part of an overarching deal that J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot had with HBO and with Warner and they basically said, well, I don't care how long you've been developing it. We're not going to invest that money in your project anymore. And it brings up a very interesting question and it's one that actually was brought up when those movies were put day and date into theatrical which is artist relationships. From the very beginning when he took over as CEO, David Zaslav has sent a very clear message to the creatives that are working at Warner Brothers, which is that no project there right now, whether you are in pre-production, production, post-production, whether your project is finished, is safe. You can and will be yanked with zero notice, and people may never see what you spent days, weeks, or months developing. So who is David Zaslav? Well, he began his career as a lawyer, and in the late 1980s, he went to work with NBC and was critical in their entry into the world of cable television. And this was very uncommon for the time. Back in the 80s and 90s, there was broadcast TV and there was cable TV, and they were kind of the antithesis of each other. And what David Zaslav basically said was, well, no, I'm going to work for NBC, and we're going to have shows on broadcast and cable. So channels like CNBC and MSNBC, he kind of led the forefront for getting those channels on the air. And then later into the 90s and early 2000s, he was the head of all of NBC's cable enterprises, which included channels like Bravo and USA. Zaslav left NBC in 2006 to become the CEO at Discovery, and he guided them to explosive growth. He actually was ahead of the curve in many ways back in 2008 when he declared that Discovery was a content company not a cable company. Content, of course, now the word that's being thrown around for everything. Movies, TV shows, podcasts, it's all content. Zaslav launched new networks, including the Oprah Winfrey Network, and then back in 2018, Discovery acquired Scripps, which owned networks like TLC, HGTV, the Food Network, and the acquisition of Scripps was a content buy. It was basically to build this enormous library with an eye toward the launch of what we eventually got to see as Discovery Plus. The same year that Zaslav and Discovery acquired Scripps in 2018, 
AT&T acquired Time Warner and created Warner Media. But less than three years later, AT&T was looking to divest itself from Warner Media. That's when David Zosloff entered the picture and spearheaded the merger of Discovery and Warner Media as its own company. Zaslav is the CEO and his stated goal from the very beginning in the early stages of this merger has been cost savings because the company comes with a massive amount of debt, about $50 billion in debt due to costs with the merger, due to the fact that it takes a lot of money to launch a streaming network and especially streaming networks that you've already shut down before they could become profitable. So they really have to make up a bunch of money very quickly in order to be seen as a financially viable company. And that's what David Zosloff has set to do from day one. The goal is reportedly to find initially about $3 billion worth of savings company-wide. How do they plan to do that? Well, we'll talk about all of the different write-downs they're taking for taxes. Massive layoffs are also almost a certainty. They haven't really been announced yet, but everybody pretty much knows that they're going to be on the way. That will be a lot of savings. It'll also cost a lot of people their jobs. It also doesn't hurt that David Zoslav has, let's call it a personal motivation to make Warner Brothers Discovery very profitable because according to reports in 2021 alone, he was compensated with a package worth an estimated $250 million based on the company's performance. So it really does help to find those savings when you realize that you could make a quarter of a billion dollars for one year as the CEO of a company. In fact, it was reported that David Zaslav was the highest paid CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and that's just for one year. This leads us to the events of the last month or so, which have been the most shocking of the cost-cutting moves that Zaslav has made, unless your name is Nassim Pedrad. First, HBO Max announced that they were halting development of original programming in parts of Europe. Then last week, HBO Max announced the cancellation of Gordita Chronicles, a well-reviewed youth-aimed show, paired with the announcement that live-action family programming would no longer be part of HBO Max's strategy. Days later, HBO Max scrapped an entire season of the animated show Little Ellen, which was already completed, and it was confirmed on yesterday's earnings call that all kids' programming was facing cutbacks unless, according to the CFO, a financial case against making those cuts could be made. Translation, HBO Max and Warner Brothers Discovery are not going to be making anything for kids unless there's a pretty good guarantee that it's going to be a profitable enterprise. So I'm sure that there are a lot of kids programming options that will be axed in the days, weeks, and months to come that we don't yet know about. And Warner Brothers Discovery and HBO Max control a lot of properties for kids. Looney Tunes, Sesame Street, just to name a couple. Of course, the most shocking news was the decision to completely pull from distribution two movies that were set to be HBO Max originals, meaning that they would stream exclusively on the HBO Max platform. One of them was a sequel to Scoob called Scoob Holiday Haunt that was reportedly near nearly complete, and it had been produced at a cost of around $40 million. And then the other one was Batgirl, a DC film that was already shot at a reported cost of $90 million. This was done for a few different reasons. In the case of the Scoob movie, it was more kid-leaning, which HBO Max and Warner Brothers Discovery have said they're not going to be investing in anymore. In the case of Batgirl, the company has said that they will only be investing in movies that will be made for a theatrical release, and they didn't deem Batgirl worthy of a theatrical release. So make no mistake, it is extremely unlikely, I would say almost impossible, that we will ever see these two movies. 
that we will ever see the sequel to Scoob, that we will ever see Batgirl. This is also likely due to something which is called purchase accounting, which I don't want to get too lost in the weeds on. But basically, it's a bit of a financial maneuver that a newly merged or acquired company can only use for a limited time with assets that existed when the company was merged or acquired. It basically makes it advantageous for the company to write down the costs on their taxes, meaning count it as a loss for things like Batgirl and Scoob in a manner that they couldn't do if they waited longer or maybe if they just wrote down the losses that the company took if they released the movies and didn't make any money. There's been a lot thrown around about these movies, particularly Batgirl. People saying that Batgirl was shelved because it wasn't any good and that the test screenings were bad, although I've seen other reports saying that the numbers that came out of the Batgirl test screenings were similar to the numbers that Warner Brothers had gotten for things like the first It movie and that it wasn't anywhere near done and movies get better as you go along. But that's really kind of beside the point because I think when you look at the overall strategy of the company, the shelving of Batgirl wasn't that much about quality and was a lot more about money. The studio didn't want to put more money into the movie to either finish it or upgrade it to what they deemed to be a theatrical release, and it was more financially viable for them to just shelve it and write it off. In a financial report yesterday, HBO claimed that it was writing down $496 million in content costs and $329 million in development costs. And that is reportedly unlikely to include Batgirl or Scoob, which will be written down for tax purposes next quarter. And the scary thing, if you are not only an artist and somebody who's made a movie for HBO Max or for HBO, but also if you're a subscriber like I am, there's no guarantee that the movies or TV shows that you've already done for HBO Max or HBO will stay on the streaming service. Now, there are always movies that rotate in and off of streaming services, but those are usually licensed films, like the Harry Potter movies, which use the Flu Network on and off of Peacock and HBO Max, what seems like every other month. Generally, if it's a movie that's made directly for HBO Max or for HBO, it lives on the service because that's who fronted the cost. You're not licensing out to anybody. You made the show. You made the movie. However, people have noticed in the last several days that even some of those are beginning to disappear. I did a deep dive and here are just some of the things that I found that have now disappeared recently from HBO and HBO Max. There's a television show called Santa Incorporated that was produced by Seth Rogen that's no longer available. Tom and Jerry Special Shorts, which was just a couple of short films featuring Tom and Jerry is gone. A reality cooking series called The Event is also gone. Craftopia, which is one of the original HBO Max shows available at launch, is now no longer available on the streamer, nor are the reality series Hot Dog, Full Bloom, Stylish with Jenna Lyons, or Baketopia, all gone. I mentioned before that HBO Max halted development in a lot of European countries. That also means that several shows from those countries that were available on HBO Max recently are now also gone. A Danish series named Kamikaze is gone, as is a series from Hungary called The Informant. A Romanian series called Rux is gone, as are Swedish programs Lust and Bear Town. The Norway series Beforeners is gone, and two documentaries, The Balcony Movie and The Herd, also from these European countries, are gone as well. I think the most disturbing thing is that there are six HBO Max original movies that were released in, I think, 2020 and 2021. I think maybe even one of them in 2022, featuring big names that are gone from the service and were taken with no announcement. An American Pickle starring Seth Rogen, who also was in the Santa Incorporated series that was pulled. Charm City Kings, which came out of the Sundance Film Festival. Robert Zemeckis' remake of The Witches starring Anne Hathaway. Super Intelligence starring Melissa McCarthy. Locked Down, which also starred Anne Hathaway. And the youth romance Moonshot, 
all pulled from HBO Max. And it's not just HBO Max originals, there are also some legacy HBO programming, stuff that existed before there was a Warner Media when it was just HBO that are now gone. Vinyl, which was a 2016 series produced by Martin Scorsese, is gone, as is a 2018 Alan Ball produced series called Here and Now. A 2015 series starring Tim Robbins and Jack Black called The Brink is gone, as is a 2018 series co-created by Lena Dunham called Camping. Julia Davis, the other co-creator on Camping, has another show from 2018 that's pulled called Sally Forever. A show called Mrs. Fletcher starring Katherine Hahn from 2017 is gone, as is another show from 2020 called Run starring Donald Gleason and Merritt Weaver. And and this doesn't count the TBS and TNT programming that's been pulled from the streaming service and the stuff that I didn't notice and the stuff that's probably still to come. As to why this is happening, the speculation is that there is talent involved with these shows and movies that require some kind of a payment while the show or movie is on the streaming service. And so HBO and Warner Brothers Discovery have basically said, fine, we'll take you off the streaming service and then we don't have to pay you anymore. This is why I will never apologize or be ashamed of my love of physical media. I feel with streaming kind of like Frankie Pantangeli with Hyman Roth and The Godfather Part Two, which is that I respect streaming services, I do business with streaming services, but I don't trust streaming services. And this is a great example why. No matter how entrenched a movie or TV show seems to be on a streaming service, all it takes is a change of direction at the top, a change of CEO, a merger or an acquisition, and that movie and TV show could be gone. Maybe it goes to a different streaming service, or maybe like some of the movies and TV shows here, they're just not available anymore, not available to stream anywhere. They disappear. So what does the future look like for HBO, HBO Max, Warner Brothers Discovery, and properties like the DC Universe? It wasn't all bad news. There were some worries that people had this past week that did not come to pass. One of them was that they thought that HBO Max was going to be jettisoned entirely in favor of Discovery+. Plus. David Zasloff has said it's actually the opposite. The company is very committed to HBO Max and the HBO brand. He claimed that spending would continue on that brand and that the chief content officer of HBO Max, Casey Bloys, has been contracted contracted to remain with the company for at least five years and hopefully longer. There will be a combined streaming service that launches next summer with the name TBD. The company says it may also offer a free ad-supported version, but I think these could also be tricky waters to navigate because HBO Max is generally well-liked in the streaming world. There was actually a survey that went out earlier this year that said that consumers were most satisfied with HBO Max over all of the other streaming services and most likely to keep it over all the other streaming services. So if you're gonna go in and make changes, you also have to be very careful not to upset the customers you already have. If you start pulling content off the service, if you start adding a bunch of other things that existing HBO Max customers don't want, or if you do things like change the design or make things difficult to navigate, you risk upsetting an already satisfied customer base. One thing that the company has rightfully taken flack for are some of the materials that it prepared for an earnings call, which is where they shared so much of this information just a couple days ago. There was one that you may have seen being passed around on the internet where they were contrasting HBO Max's streaming service versus Discovery Plus's streaming service. And on this slide, each one of them is given a complementary factor. For example, it's said that HBO Max has a male skew, whereas Discovery has a female skew. HBO Max is lean-in programming, and Discovery Plus is lean-back programming. And that HBO Max is the home of fandoms, and Discovery is the home of genre-dumbs, whatever that means. 
Warner Brothers Discovery has been getting roasted for this, and rightfully so, because this is corporate garbage. Nothing actually makes me lose faith in a company more than seeing stuff like this, because I've worked for my share of companies uh, of varying size over the years. I'm independent now, but I have been in so many meetings and seen slides like this, and this is all corporate nonsense. I mean, people get paid a lot of money to come up with this kind of stuff to make people think that you know what you're talking about, but this is garbage. When you look at this stuff, it doesn't make sense. It's literally someone was given a directive to say, we have to contrast our network, so come up with very complementary things that sound good, but also make it seem like these two things offer completely different programming, which they do, but these differences are so stupid. It is a puppet show that all of these corporations do where they pretend like all of these buzzwords mean something, and then the investors pretend like they know what they're talking about by using them when nobody knows what the hell they're doing or what the hell they're talking about and everything could change in a matter of six months or so. I've been, like I said, at companies where we had a full strategy for everything that we were going to do and then there's a change and all of a sudden that strategy gets thrown out the window. It's very disconcerting. It's very confusing. It's very discouraging and yet companies feel like they always have to put out this aura of being completely in charge and we're the ones that know what the future actually holds. Nobody knows what the future holds and dumb slides like this really annoy me because it says that this company that actually does have control over a fair number of things that I care about creatively as a fan, as somebody who watches television and watches movies, is running this whole thing by the same dumb corporate rules that have sunk as many companies as they've saved. So yes, you should roast Warner Brothers Discovery for this stupid slide, not even for the content of it, which is stupid, but for the idea of it, which is stupid. When we look at Warner Brothers The Studio and their movie offerings particularly, they're pretty much undoing their entire strategy of the last year and a half. Obviously the day and date stuff as far as releasing on HBO Max is completely gone and is never going to come back. But something that actually developed in the last day or two, about day and a half, is that 45 day theatrical window. Remember during the pandemic, a lot of studios kind of negotiated with the different theater chains, a 45 day window, meaning that movies would play in theaters for 45 days and then go to stream for 45 days and that's kind of become the industry standard but it looks like HBO Max is looking to dismantle even that. A decider report signing a WB source says that the company will now determine which movies premiere on HBO Max after 45 days on a case-by-case -case basis. For example, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, which was due to make its debut on HBO Max this upcoming week because it had been in theaters for 45 days, will become available for premium video on demand rentals, but will not become available for HBO Max subscribers. And this is another thing where you're playing a very tricky game because you are, yes, adding value to the theatrical run of a movie, but you're also, by definition, kind of devaluing HBO Max because you could have a subscriber that says like, well, I was only there because I could get the Batman after 45 days, which it was on HBO Max after 45 days or Fantastic Beasts, etc. Now, if you're going to start selecting movies to hold back, maybe I'm not going to subscribe to HBO Max. This is the thing. they Everybody acts like they know exactly what's going to happen. There are so many variables to this because yes, you add value to this part of the company, but you're taking value from that part of the company and nobody knows if you've got the balance right until you actually do it. 
When it comes to the current DC slate of films, meaning the ones that are scheduled to hit theaters, Zaslav says that the studio has seen The Flash, has seen Black Adam, has seen Shazam! Fury of the Gods. They believe in those movies, and that's kind of been uh, the buzzword. They did not believe in Batgirl, and Zaslav says that they're not going to release a movie that they don't believe in, but apparently the studio is happy with those three films, so they are still scheduled to come out theatrically. We'll see if they stick to their release dates. But Zaslav also said on the call, that there has been a reset in strategy for DC and that the studio is looking at establishing a 10-year plan under the model that Disney established with Kevin Feige as the head of Marvel. This is a very appealing concept, of course, if the plan is good, because keep in mind, there was a time where Warner Brothers did have a plan for the DC Universe, and then the wheels kind of came off it, and we're still struggling with, like, should they have not done the plan? Should they restore the plan? Should we come up with a new plan? Now they're combining different plans. We have this part of this franchise and this part of that franchise. So when we look at the 10-year DC plan... I don't envy the person who's put in charge because you have to automatically say, are we keeping parts of the Snyderverse? Are we keeping the Michael Keaton Batverse? Are we bringing in other legacy characters? Are we completely wiping the slate clean and recasting everybody and starting over? It's not an easy thing to do because I think that there are advantages and disadvantages no matter what direction you go in. So I think that it's encouraging to know that the studio is finally saying we're going to actually start planning these movies out long term. But then again, they also kind of already did that and changed course midway and have never really recovered. So I guess the hope would be not so much that DC is going to have a plan. It's that whoever they appoint to come up with the plan comes up with one that works. Overall, this is a company that's got a lot of work to do. I mentioned that it's about $50 billion in debt due to inherited costs on their earnings call. They said they lost about $3 billion in the previous quarter alone due to the cost of doing the merger and the investments in streaming. That was more than a lot of investors and Wall Street analysts had expected. The stock lost about 15% of its value following that earnings call. So this is not a company that's really been given a lot of runway to try to tinker with things and make it work. This is very results-oriented at this part, and David Zaslav seems like a very results-oriented CEO. He's not going to sit back and give things time. He's going to go through and ruthlessly cut things that he doesn't believe in, doesn't have faith in, or that he doesn't think are going to make money. This is the new normal, sadly, when it comes to entertainment, and it has been in varying ways, but more and more as these companies merge and become bigger and bigger, success and failure isn't measured by what the fans like or what the critics like or the box office even on a lot of movies. It's the balance sheets. It's how much did we invest in this? What's our EBITDA uh, in quarter three of 2023? Does it make sense to do this project for streaming? Yes, that's going to enrich in a lot of CEOs and a lot of stockholders, but the question now is, is it also going to enrich in fans and creatives who are looking for satisfying movies, who are looking for risks, who are looking for things that maybe aren't a sure thing like the first Joker movie and yet turned out to be a billion dollar hit? Short term, I think that Warner Brothers Discovery is going to have a talent problem. They already had one due to the whole day and date debacle. But now, if you're talent at Warner Brothers and you're thinking of signing between different studios or different studios are interested in a passion project of yours, why would you ever trust anybody at Warner Brothers Discovery that even if you get the money to make your movie, that it's actually going to make it to the production process, or even if it gets produced, that there's not going to be some financial incentive for the studio to shelve the project, and nobody sees what you've spent years of your life working on. So they're going to have to do a lot to really, really assure creators that this isn't going to happen to them. But I also think that there's a lot of people whose relationships with Warner Brothers are going to be permanently damaged.
This is also a big part of what we've seen, particularly this year, which is the contraction of the streaming bubble. Netflix is scaling back dramatically their investment. Warner Brothers Discovery now saying that HBO Max is not their main priority. It is now part of the company's priority, but they're also investing in theatrical and pulling a lot of investments from streaming. It will be very interesting to see what Disney does in the next couple years because they are still very streaming forward. They have the 45-day window. They have so many things that are exclusive streaming things to Disney+. Plus. What do their financials look like? Are they also going to have to adjust their strategy because it seems that streaming may not be quite as lucrative as everyone had hoped? Reality is setting in. I think that a lot of people's hopes were dashed. And for the last few years, I mean, if you're a creator, except for maybe in the last few months, it was great because companies were just throwing money at you to make pretty much whatever you wanted. We're not seeing that anymore. And that's why I say and have said for years now, and we talk about the streaming wars, this is the big ongoing entertainment story and entertainment business story in several generations because this is a complete sea change in how people consume things and the thinking was last year and in 2020 that the future was pretty much exclusively streaming by a lot of people but now it looks like movie theaters may actually have their place and so now we're bringing them back into the fold this idea that we were going to find a new normal in a year or two or even five years is being dismantled in front of our eyes unfortunately what we're seeing now we had the boom years now we're seeing the growing pain years and that means that a lot of people are going to be hurt by what's about to happen a lot of jobs are going to be lost a lot of projects are going to be canceled and a lot of people are going to pay for the speculative things that corporations and CEOs have been doing that are now trickling down to the people that are really just there to make things that they're passionate about. So this was a very compact version in the last week or so. And really, when you look at the tea leaves, the last few months uh, with Warner Brothers Discovery about where we're going. And this is not going to be the last week of big news, certainly not with Warner Brothers Discovery and probably not with the other streamers as well. But we are now officially in what I would say is phase two or perhaps phase three of these streaming wars where the speculation is done and now it's about reality. So that was a bit of an exploration into what's been going on. I hope I was able to illuminate some dark corners that perhaps you had questions about. If there's anything else that you want to know, let me know down in the comment section. I can try to answer those questions either directly or in a future video. What did you think about all these moves with Warner Brothers Discovery? Are you sad that we'll never see the Batgirl movie? Were you really crossing your fingers and waiting for that second Scoob movie? Let me know down in the comments below. As always, thanks so much for watching. I also do stuff over on Patreon at patreon.com slash danmerle, and I do my box office show charts with Dan every single week where I break down the box office which is now going to be an even bigger part of the business picture for Warner Brothers I really appreciate your time until next time stay safe and I'll see you then bye